morning. Welcome to Munger Place again. My name is Andrew. I'm glad to see you today. In 1976, Ronald Wayne, who was along with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, one of the co-founders of Apple Computer, in 1976, April 12th, Ronald Wayne sold his 10% stake at Apple Computers for $800. Today, a 10% stake in Apple Computers would be worth just a little under $60 billion. And you thought you've screwed up in your life. Talking about... <laughs> Talk about missing an opportunity. And you know, I read that on the internet a few weeks ago, and I thought, boy, I wish I had been around to invest in Apple in 1976. And probably it's not a single one of us in this room when I shared that statistic thought, boy, I wish I had been able to get in on that. And that's a pretty big miss. That's a pretty big miss. But I don't think life is only about bank accounts. Life is only not just about biology Life is more than just atoms and molecules and more than just zeros on a balance sheet. I think there's something greater in life. And I'd suggest to you that there's actually something bigger that you can miss in life than just whether you made the right investment or not. I think the most important thing a human life can do is respond to the call of God and not miss it. And I think we look around at our world, and perhaps this is your story, we see so many people who are busy with all kinds of stuff, but missing out on the voice of God, the call of God in their lives. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to look at a story of somebody who heard God's voice calling him and about the confusion he had. And I love the story because it, I think it speaks to where we, you and I are and often find ourselves. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel's mom couldn't get pregnant for a long time. And when she did, she said, I'm going to take this baby and give him over to the service of God. So she came and took her little boy and gave him over to the temple under the service of the old priest Eli. And he, Samuel grew up as sort of an orphan of the temple. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Hear the story. The boy Samuel, this little boy whose mom had given him over to the temple, ministered before the Lord under Eli, the old priest. In those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. If you've ever been woken up in the middle of the night by a kid, I think you can identify with Eli. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Let me sleep. I added that last part. <laughs> now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there. I love that image. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel 
that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. And skipping ahead to verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Let's pray. God, add your richest blessing to the reading and hearing of the word. Take my words and speak through them. Take our ears, Lord, and speak to them. And take our hearts and light them on fire as a response. We ask this in your name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Samuel, Samuel, the voice of God cries out. I think God calls people today. In fact, I think that the voice of God is calling up to everybody on the whole planet, which includes you. I think God is calling your name. I think there's a call of God on your life and for your life. But I also believe that, that God's voice is not the only voice, and sometimes, in fact, maybe most of the time, not the loudest voice that is calling people. And I've said for the last several months, we want to be a church, particularly when we're in the middle of this campaign we're calling our all-in campaign. We're going to be a church that's committed to the next generation. And I think about the kids in our neighborhood. I think about the kids who come from a broken home, who are on the edge of adolescence. And I think, boy, there's a lot of other voices calling out these kids, and they're not all good. I think about the, the voice that calls out to them and says, you need to be involved with this sorts of behavior. You need to get involved in drugs or in gangs because that will, that will make you somebody who has value. That's a voice calling to our kids. The Lord says, Samuel, Samuel, but God's voice is not the only one. I think about the other voice, another voice that's calling to our kids. It's a voice that says, you, you don't matter. You're not important. You're, you're, no one cares about you. That's a powerful voice. A lot of people in our world are hearing that voice and responding to it. But God's also calling by name. See, what I love about this story is that Samuel hears the call of God, but he doesn't know it's God. Eli, the old priest, has to come alongside and said, I think God is calling you, Samuel. And so respond in this way. I'd like to suggest that that image is probably the best example I have about the church's job for the next generation. The church's job for the next generation is to help the young people in our community hear the voice of God and respond and interpret it for them. And I think about the at-risk kids in our neighborhood. Boy, if we don't come alongside them and help them hear the voice of God, they're going to hear other voices, voices that mean harm and no good for them. But it is not only the at-risk kids who are at risk. What about the kids who, who, whose families can't afford to pay for college, who, who don't worry about where their next meal is coming from? What a loss would it be if for, for these kids, they grow up, get a job, get married, make some money, and die, and never have experienced the call of God on their lives? I think God's calling everybody. I think he's calling each of us by name. I'm wondering this morning, have you, have you been hearing the voice of God calling you? Have you been responding? Have you been ignoring it? One of the great tragedies of our world, I believe, is that so many of us grow up and ignore the persistent voice of God in our lives. And I don't understand why this is the case, but it seems that almost never is the voice of God like thunder. It's almost always much softer and more persistent. 
I think that's because God is a respecter of the will that he gives us. God allows us to respond freely to his gracious call in our lives. But God doesn't force himself upon anybody. And there's a lot of other more brazen voices in our world that are calling people. There's the, there's the, there's the voice of career saying, what I need you to do in this life is to spend all your time and your talents and your money on your career. Career success is what matters. A lot of us hear that voice and we respond. And we ignore the call of God. And a lot of us never really get beyond that voice that begins calling to us as young kids that says, you're not important, you're a screw up, you don't matter. I wonder this morning if you've been listening to that voice and responding to it. Samuel, Samuel, the voice of God says. And Samuel's confused. And he needs somebody else with more wisdom to come alongside. I'm telling you, we would be a powerful tool that God can use if we're the kind of church that goes alongside the next generation and says, we believe God is calling you. We believe that you matter to God. We believe that God gives you gifts and tools and talents to use for his glory. Won't you respond? If we're that kind of church, oh man, can you imagine what could happen? You know, one life that responds to the call of God, it's, a, it's like a spider web emanating out from it. You can't possibly foresee all the other lives that are affected by it. What would it be like if, if, if the kids at Woodrow Wilson High School or at Long Middle School or at Robert E. Lee or Lipscomb or any of the other schools around here, what would it be like if we came alongside them and said, we believe God has something great planned for you and you're precious and you matter? What an incredible thing. The voice of God is, of God is calling. I, I wonder if we're hearing it. I'm wondering if we're helping others hear of it today. So, what does it look like to hear the voice of God and to respond? I'd suggest that it looks all kinds of different ways. For example, I think you can be in corporate law and be living into your calling, or you could be in corporate law and just wasting your life. I don't think it's necessarily what you do that matters. It's more about how you do it and whether you're stepping into the call of God. I know lots of people who have all kinds of different jobs, but they see those jobs as they're calling, and they say, when I get up for work in the morning, man, I'm doing the work of God. I'm not teaching a Bible study or preaching a sermon. I'm driving a bus or taking the kids on carpool or, or working on some kind of expense report or some kind of merger and acquisition. But I believe God's using me. And I believe because of the work I'm doing, God is redeeming and working through his world. I wonder if you have that kind of call in your life this morning. Do you get up, regardless of your job, and say, I'm so grateful, God, for you giving it to me today because I know that you're using me where I am. But maybe you have a kind of job, you get up and go to work in the morning, and maybe it's not God's call for your life. There's a guy who comes here sometimes, but he's a member of the, our sister congregation, the Highland Park Methodist. He may be here today. He spent uh, 30 years in corporate law, and then he just really felt God persistently tugging on him and calling him. And this year, he left his job and started working with nonprofit small Christian ministries who could use his talents. He turned away from his salary and from other things that had to make pretty serious decisions in his life, but he thought, this is where God's calling me. I wonder today, maybe, maybe if it's time for you to be honest about the call of God on your life, maybe God's calling you someplace different than what you're currently doing. I don't know. I don't want to speak for that, but it's possible. And I want to talk to a few groups of you real specifically about the voice of God, the call of God. 
first I want to talk to some men out there. So if, if the women would just not listen, this would be fine. I think God is calling the men in the church, and specifically this church, to step up and take examples of leadership towards our next generation. Often, and God bless them for it, and I love the women of our church, I'm even married to one, but often when we ask people to step up to minister to, to kids and youth, it's the women who step up, and we praise them for that. But a lot of the kids that we particularly need the church to come alongside them are kids who don't have positive male role models. So today I'm talking to you, if you're the guy that kind of comes to church because your wife sort of drags you and you're standing there like this and you don't really sing because guys don't, aren't supposed to do that, I'm talking to you, okay? I need you to step up. We'll talk a little bit later how to do it. I want to see our church be a church that has guys who step up and minister to the next generation. Men who come alongside the the kids and middle school students and high school students in our area, in our community, and show them what it looks like to lead a life dedicated to the Lord as, as an adult guy. One thing our world is crying out for is more positive male leadership. We have so many young boys and little girls who don't ever see what positive male role models look like, and you see the result on the front page every day. So perhaps God is calling you to do something that you would never have thought you would ever do, which is step up and particularly minister to eighth graders or third graders or, or whatever it is, step up and begin to say, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. All right, the women can listen now again. Now, I want to I speak to another group. I want to speak to the group today of, of, of people, and, and particularly the kids, but maybe even some older folks, who are not just hearing the call of God, but maybe a call of God to a specific field. I'm talking specifically to those of you who maybe feel like maybe you're called to the ordained ministry, to what I do. If that's not you, again, don't listen right now. But if that is you, I need you to tell you this. I think that's the most important job in the world. No offense to the others who aren't listening, but I think that's the most important job in the world. The local church carries the hope of the world. You can have the best schools, the best government, the best fire trucks, the best armies, the best software, but without the gospel, it's all empty. But when the church does its work, everything else flourishes. You get to stand up in front of people and try to share the good news of God to the best of your ability. You get to exercise your leadership gifts and your entrepreneurial gifts. You get to be with people at the worst times and the best times. You get to, as one of my seminary professors said, help people make mountains out of moments. You stand by people as their loved ones are dying and you celebrate them when they're standing together in marriage. And what the church in America desperately needs is a younger generation who's going to step up into the ordained ministry. So if you're here today, you may be 8 years old, 18, 28, I don't know who you are. I need you to really be praying and thinking, maybe is God calling me towards that? Is, is God speaking my name? And I'd love to talk to you further about that if that's for you. There's another group I want to talk to here today, and if you're a visitor and a guest among us today, I'm not specifically talking to you, but we're in the midst of a campaign we're calling our all-in campaign. We have three big goals, which we'll, you'll see a little bit later, but one of the goals is to get folks to really make a commitment towards the next generation in both their time and in, in uh, their money, and to make a financial commitment. Again, if you're a guest here today, I'm not speaking to you, but this is not... <laughs> The idea of being all in for the Lord because God is all in for us, that's a nice tagline, but that's just an inspirational saying unless we actually step up and put our own skin in the game. 
So if you're here and you're on the edge and you said, yeah, I'd like to make a commitment. I, I could do this or do that. I want to talk to you today. Now, I need to be clear. It's probably not fair for me to expect the folks who are really struggling financially to make any kind of commitments with their time or their money because they spend all their time looking for jobs and they don't have any extra money. So I won't, I won't ask them to step up. And it's probably not fair to me to step up or uh, to ask the young adults who are just out of school to step up because they're young and they're trying to get their first place to live and buy a car and all that. And I probably shouldn't expect the young married folks to step up because they're recently married and they're worried about having kids in the future. And so they don't really have any extra money to spare and they're saving towards kids. And I probably shouldn't expect the young families to step up because... Young families never have enough to go around. It's always something else. So young families, we should probably not expect anything from them. And it's probably not fair to expect anything from the college-aged uh, families with kids in college because have you seen the cost of college today? Nobody can afford that. So it's not fair to expect the families of college-aged kids. It's also not fair really to expect the families of college graduates because now they're just trying to make up all the ground they lost while their kids were in college to make a commitment. And it's not fair to expect, uh, you know, our empty nesters or retired folks to step up and make a commitment because, you know, they've already been doing stuff and now it's their time to rest. And plus, if you're retired, you don't really have income coming in anyway. Everybody has an excuse. What I'm calling you to do is regardless of who you are, I want you to step up to make a commitment. I want you to honestly ask the question, Lord, what do you want to do through me? And to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. If you were thinking, you know what? I'm just going to come to this church. I want you to rethink your commitment, and I want you to step up and make a commitment to work uh, with our kids on Sunday morning. If you were thinking, I'll come to Habitat for Humanity once a year, I want you to step up and make a commitment for once a month. If you were going to give $1,000, I need you to give four. If you were going to give $20,000, I need you to give you 75. If you were going to give 100, I need you to give two. Whatever you were thinking, I want you to rethink your commitment in light of the call of God on your life, and in light of the incredible mission that the grace of God has given to us to help people hear the call of God in their lives and to respond. What's God calling you to do? How is the voice of God calling to you? What's the call of God on your life with regard to your family, with regard to what you do 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with what you do with your money, with what you do with, with what you're best at, What's the call of God in your life in that area? Here's what you need to know, though, about the voice of God. This voice that was calling the same of the voice that's calling to you and me, the voice that's calling out to the young people in our neighborhood who's saying, you matter, I have plans for you, a future and a hope. That's the same voice that spoke light out of darkness and said, let there be light. It's the same voice that said to Abraham, I'm making a promise to you, and though you don't have any kids, your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. It's the same voice that spoke to Moses and says, I don't care if you stutter. I don't care if you're a murderer. I'm going to use you. It's the same voice that spoke to this young little Samuel that said, Samuel, you're going to be my prophet. It's the same voice that Samuel heard when he saw David, this overlooked and eighth son of Jesse the shepherd, this little boy in the pasture with manure under his fingernails. It's the same voice that those, heard, those who heard Jesus speak heard. The voice that said to Peter, I choose you. The voice that said to Nathaniel, come and see. Take up your cross and follow me. It's the same voice, in fact, that cried out on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the same voice that Mary heard on Easter morning and responded. It's the same voice that called the Apostle Paul. 
The same voice that spoke to John Wesley. It's the same voice that's calling you saying, you matter to me. You'll never know how much you matter to me. And I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you as an 8-year-old and as a 28-year-old, as an 88-year-old. I have a plan for you as a woman and as a man. I have a plan for you whether you don't have two nickels to rub together or you have a ton of zeros in your bank account. Whether you have lots of time or no time, I have a plan for you. I'm calling to you. It's a shame to miss out on a great investment opportunity. It's a shame to miss out on a sure deal. Like Ronald Wayne did in 1976. But what a shame for a human life to miss the purpose that God is preparing for it. What a tragedy it would be for us to mistake the voice of God, to follow after other voices. But the good news I have to tell you today is I don't think that God gives up on you. And I think that God can use you regardless of what your circumstances are, regardless of how much you believe or don't believe, regardless of how many divorces are in your wake or how many addictions or betrayals or bankruptcies. I think that voice is still calling to you. And the good news I have to share to you today is it's not too late. You can respond. And using the word of Samuel, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may God give us ears to hear. May the church help us to understand and respond to the voice of God. And may we have the courage to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen.